Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We go out to our man Eric Crocker from Locked On Niners. Eric, what's going on? And thanks for joining us this afternoon. Oh, man, thanks for uh, having me on. So, Eric, as camp starts, so, my man, you're saying it's Wednesday, it's Tuesday, right? They open things up? I believe they report Tuesday, officially Wednesday. Okay, officially Wednesday. So, E, what are you looking for? What are some of the keys as we get into camp? What should fans sort of keep an eye on as summer camp for the 49ers is now just days away? Are we saying aside from the quarterback position? Because I think that's the big elephant in the room, right? Like, I was trying to, you know what? Up. For the first time in a month and a half, I was trying to not to go Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, and it didn't work. <laughs> All right, so aside from Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, because that's the easy one, right? Like, that's the layup. That's the all you. Uh, aside from them, there are a few kind of, I'd say, question marks, and every team has these kind of questionable things on their roster. I think overall, 49ers have a terrific roster, but one, that nickel position. Who lines up as a starting nickel? in sub-package day one. Definitely going to be looking into that. Also, uh, the strong safety position. They did sign Odom. Is he going to be more of a, a special teamer, as he was signed to do, or is he going to have an opportunity to play at the strong safety position or at least challenge a guy like Talanoa Funda? And then, obviously, the interior offensive line. You have uh, Alex Mack retire. Right guard Daniel Brunskill, and I think you're comfortable with him playing there. And in that left guard, is it going to be Aaron Banks, who played the least amount of snaps for any second-round pick outside of Kyle Trask, who was a third-string quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there definitely are some question marks. I'm excited to see how those three things shape out. Extrapolating it back, of course, to the quarterback position, that's where this thing starts. And every single throw that Trey Lance takes in training camp is going to be under the eye of millions, right? Every single throw, whether it be in-game or in practice, people are going to break down and analyze from every single angle. But I'm curious, Eric, from your perspective, what is a fair expectation of Trey Lance? Where are you at as far as kind of the floor, the ceiling right now? What do you think is fair of us as fans, as critics, as media members to expect from this kid starting next week? I think for me, it's just seeing how he improves from day to day, week to week, game to game, right? I think everyone is going to have these high expectations on what they think he should look like hitting the ground day one. But my thing is, you know, I watched him last year uh, in training camp. Then we watched him in preseason. Then we watched him in the regular season against Arizona. And I remember saying, like, okay, I see where he's at. I see things that he needs to improve on. Can they run a more, I guess you could say, couch in hand offense against in whenever the next time we see him? And if you guys remember back to that Arizona Cardinal game, you know, he ran the ball 16 times, and he took a lot of hits. You do not want to see that, right? So going into the Texans game, is it going to look the same as that, or is there going to be some growth? And I thought there was a, there was a tremendous amount of growth in which how Kyle Shanahan kind of learned his quarterback a little bit more, started to call different kind of plays, 
You saw a lot more under center play action. You saw the big throws downfield. You saw him pushing the ball down the field. And I said, okay, I, I, I like the progression that I saw from the first start to the second start. Now, once, you know, he's, he's the guy, can you continue to build off of that? So, uh, day one, you know, first week, I, I expect to see some ups and downs, some, some misses. He's still trying to grasp the offense and see the game the way Kyle Shanahan does, as well as trying to learn how to read defenses that are doing more disguising. But I say overall, just how does he, does he continue to improve? And to me, that's, that's the most important thing when it comes to a young quarterback. He is the former NFL football player, now the host of one of the hosts from Locked On Niners, Eric Crocker, who joins us here this afternoon on 95.7 The Game. You know, you talked about that game where Lance carried the ball some 16 times. Trey Lance carried it. They called his number, and that's just way too many, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo is out of the building and you know he goes down with an injury, then you've got to hand the keys to Nate Sudfeld. But I, I, I'm curious how you feel about this. I've, I'm one that's always believed that a good running quarterback is like that of a Russell Wilson. Like You take what the offense is providing you. If they're locked up in man and everybody's covered and nobody's watching me, I'll go run. And I'll do it on my own. RPOs and design runs for quarterbacks, to me, especially when it's Trey Lance, you should eradicate entirely. If things break down, he has the ability to escape. He has the ability to get to the outside and or elongate plays. And doing that on his own when he's freelancing – wouldn't, wouldn't that be more of a, a prudent decision in terms of using him as a runner, just saying, listen, run when you see the opportunity as opposed to, hey, let's go, let's go A-gap on uh, you know, the second play of the series? Right. I think for him it's just kind of learning how to protect himself. So if he can learn to not take those shots straight on, you know, I think you can call a little bit more run plays, but if you're going to run them in between the A-gap, B-gap, and he's going to take a pounding, then yeah, like, nah, get that out of the playbook. If you watch Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills, they will run design QB powers with Josh Allen. Now he's probably 25 pounds heavier and he's a few inches taller, but they do call those plays, but he also knows how to get down. Even Lamar Jackson, I think he takes off and runs more than any quarterback in the NFL. Matter of fact, I don't know why I said I think he does. He runs more than any quarterback in the NFL. But if you actually watch the games, they can't really get a straight-up shot on them, and he knows when to give up when to go down, how to protect himself. And, again, I don't think you run Trey Lance to that extent. I think that's a lot why 49ers didn't play him as much as most people anticipated, right? They thought, oh, there's going to be all these different QB packages for him. I believe that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers want to develop him as more of a passer and then, okay, if need be, we can throw in the legs a little bit here and there, maybe in the red zone. Sure. But I don't think they want to make that a focal point of how they're calling plays from him for week to week. I think we saw that in the Arizona game. Because I don't think Kyle Shanahan knew how to call plays for him. You know, the whole offense was designed around uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set and what he knew how to execute. And then all of a sudden he goes down. Now a guy who has had limited, like very few snaps, uh, with the, especially with the first string team, offensive line, receivers, whatever, now all of a sudden I have to call plays an entire game for this guy. I don't think Kyle knew how to do it quite yet. I think that's why it looked like that. I don't expect him to run that much at all. I'd still see about five carries a game for Trey Lance, uh, but definitely not anything close to 16. Eric Crocker, Locked On 49ers. I want to ask you about Debo Samuel specifically, because publicly the status, at least to my knowledge, of whether or not he'll be at training camp is currently unclear, even though he's been spotted back in the Bay. His trainer on IG is saying he's going to get paid, but 
what do you think about number one, and maybe it's a percentage. What what are the chances that first Debo Samuel is at training camp starting on Wednesday, and then two, the likelihood that a deal and his potential future contract gets done before the end of training camp? Because I know that you know Kittle Warner they kind of got their deals. Very close to the season as compared to, you know, when free agency starts and, and the, the you're able to extend guys. So what do you think the chances are that Debo is there on Wednesday as well as he's a 49er long-term before the end of training camp? Well, I think he's definitely there. The way that they've kind of structured this whole CBA thing, if you hold out, like you're going to lose a lot of money, especially come training camp time. So like he showed up during OTA uh, minicamp, he's like, all right, this minicamp practice, I'll show up for this because I don't want to lose out on it. You know, ninety thousand dollars or whatever it was. I think you'll see something to that same extent. Now, he show up. Is he going to be practicing? Right? Is he going to be on the field? Is he going to be full go? I think that's what everybody's going to be waiting to see. If I had to guess, I'd say he will be participating, and maybe they have kind of this thing going where it's like, look, you show up, do your part. We'll figure out contract parts, and you know, before the season starts, we'll have a contract in place for you, and we just got to work on that. But you know, it's a business. The NFL is a business. I understand it. You know, me with my time in with the New York Jets, I remember getting cut because Chris Ivory and Joe McKnight uh, both had injuries and they had to sign a running back. And it's like, oh, well, let's just cut this guy. You know, and so it's, it's the business aspect of it happens. And typically, like, they don't care for about the player then. So if I'm a player and I kind of have a little bit of, not saying, like, you know, he has all the, the you know, he, he, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I can't think right now, but not say he holds all the cards and mm-hmm. they have to do what he wants them to do. But, you know, there is a little bit of something there because you don't want really kind of who was the best player on your team in the playoffs. You don't want that guy who kind of carries you there to be disgruntled and not happy and then let that attitude rub off on maybe some of the other players around him, which I don't think it happened because Debo doesn't come off like that type of player around his teammates and everybody understands what's going on. But you still, you don't, you don't want that type of uh, attitude inside the building. And a follow the follow up to that would be if I can speak here for Debo Samuel along with Brandon Ayuk. Where do you think that this 49ers potential wide receiver tandem ranks right now in the NFC? Because I know that they kind of get compared a lot to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't right now have really a big running mate on the opposite side. But I feel like Debo Samuel along with Ayuk and the rest of that wide receiving core can be one of the better groups in the NFC, but it doesn't really seem to get talked about much. Where do you think the 49ers wide receivers group is right now should Debo Samuel be on the team? You know, I think if Brandon Ayuk didn't have the slow start to the season like he did, then they would definitely be talked about as one of the best tandems in the league. But a lot of people forget that, right? Like It was like the first six games or so. Ayuk, the targets were way down, definitely wasn't being productive. So like there was one game where he didn't get targeted at all. And towards the you know second half of the season, you saw him start picking it up. You saw the targets pick up. Uh, you saw his production go up. And then he finished around, what, 800 yards or so, somewhere in that area. Well, if he didn't have that slow start, we're talking about having 2,000-yard receivers between Debo and Ayuk. So if he can kind of, you know, just obviously you see him working with Trey Lance in the offseason and they're working really hard to kind of build that rapport. If that, uh, you know, continues to develop, and then Debo Samuel shows uh, Debo is going to be productive regardless because there's just so many different ways to get the ball in his hands. And it doesn't have to be in the backfield. I know he doesn't want to be that, that uh, wide back that he kind of labeled himself as uh, after last season. But even on screen routes, and we saw that in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, screen route, 
uh, screen pass, and he takes it 50 yards so uh, to the house. So I think both of those guys can be definitely dynamic. And I think the bigger issue is, for whatever reason, there's this narrative around the league that, or around the media and social media that Debo Samuel isn't a pure wide receiver, whatever that is. He plays receiver. He has a 1,400-yard receiver. He was very productive. I think he's one of the best in the league. I think IU, if he starts fast, he can be one of the better wide receiver twos in the league for sure. Eric Crocker, our guest. And, Eric, I'm one of those of the belief that your team is more often than not as good as your offensive line, especially when it comes to your offense. Trent Williams, obviously, he's the standard. He's, he wipes you out at, at the left tackle. You're good. But how confident or rather – what should be the level of concern after Trent Williams when you go Banks, Brendel, Brunskill, McGlinchey? On paper, I'm not very confident. You know, and like you said, Trent Williams, you know what he's going to do. And he's getting older. I think we forget that because he just plays at such a high level. But you don't worry about Trent Williams. Now McGlinchey, he's coming off of an injury. Brunskill, I, I think he's serviceable. Then the other two positions, like, yeah, I'm definitely worried. But – the only thing that gives me a little pause and like, all right, Eric, don't worry too much about this, is Kyle Shanahan, somehow, some way, between him, his coaching staff, they've just figured it out. And anytime they have an area on their team where you look at who's playing and you're like, man, this, this should be really bad. It's not as bad. And they figure out a way to work around it and still improve. Last year, I mean, to start the season, there, they played without their starting corners after Verrett went down. So you're playing with backup guys and guys off the street, and they had to play a lot of the season like that. Well, when it was all said and done, somehow, some way, they still had a top-six pass defense. So they're able to figure it out. They're able to kind of mask whatever deficiencies they have. Can you do that with the offensive line? I think it's a little tougher, but if any coaching staff has proven to be able to kind of overcome that, I think it's this team. So I am worried about it on paper, but then when I think about who the coaches are, I think they can, they, they can work through that. Eric, my, my last one for you is this. You mentioned spending time with the Jets, and it obviously ended there for various reasons. But I'm I just I'm hoping you can kind of peel back the curtain for our listeners, as well as myself, as someone who's experienced the summer getting ready to prepare for training camp in the NFL. Where are you at right now as far as you know the players that are getting ready for camp? What is the preparation process? I know it's different for, for different position groups, but if you could just kind of take our listeners through what goes into getting ready for NFL training camp, I think that'd be a great you know a great listen for those at home who are trying to figure out how they should feel about players. Oh man, I mean I know you hear it and everybody laughs about it, but the whole like I'm in the best shape of my life thing, right? Everybody says that. But I truly was in the best shape of my life. You know, I was working out during that uh, downtime between uh, OTAs and training camp. I was doing three workouts a day. Uh, in the morning, I would lift weights. In the uh, afternoon, around uh, 12 noon, I would do my uh, on-field drills, my deep the back training stuff. And then later in the evening, I'd do a little bit of cardio. So I was in great shape. I think I showed up at like 7% body fat at 6'2", you know, almost 200 pounds. And... Uh, you know, a lot of guys, I think they approach it that same way. I remember one cornerback on the roster, I won't say his name, but in OTA, he was a little round. A little round, a <laughs> little chubby. Uh, he was a 5'9 guy, weighing close to 200 pounds. And I'm like, dang, like, this is how, how the NFL guys look. And then come training camp, he had an eight-pack. So <laughs> guys definitely, you know, they work. They know their bodies. They know how much time off they need. Some guys use the OTAs to start kind of getting into shape. And, and that's what I did. Like, OTAs with the Jets. It was a, uh, they go through different phases. 
But it, I think it definitely prepared us to really work hard in the summer and then come training camp. You should be in great shape. I, I'd say most guys take it serious that way. Uh, some guys, they know their bodies and they know what it takes for them to get in shape and they take a different approach. But I, I definitely worked really hard. Eric Crocker is our guest. Eric, you know, we got Anthony Lynn now who replaces Bobby Turner. Is this going to be a different look in terms of, obviously, Kyle Shanahan and the secret sauce with that with that running attack? But And I don't mean to climb into the weeds and pretend I know what I'm talking about here, but you hear more of sort of this inside zone, and consequently you're seeing bigger backs. Is that sort of a, an accurate description now, the Tyrion Davis-Price and the Jordan Masons? that they're getting away from the Raheem Mostert's and these guys who want to turn the corner and burn. But now with maybe Anthony Lynn and this new running approach that you're looking to go a little bit more in between the tackles as far as that zone run approach. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, you talk about Anthony Lynn and my time with the New York Jets. He, he was the running back coach when I was with the Jets. And he definitely is someone that is definitely uh, notable for his ability in his run design. Kyle Shanahan, he's definitely that as well. And a lot of the great coaches in this league, they surround themselves with people that can, like, add to what they do extremely well. And I think Kyle, you know, obviously, like, he's very dynamic with his running schemes and what he does. Most people say he's the best. Well, to have somebody that can show you a different way to really expand on what it is that you do well, I think that's when you bring in a guy like Anthony Glenn. And uh, not just the coach aspect of what he can do, like, mentally, but how he interacts with his players as well. I think Anthony Lynn is great from that standpoint. So that's somebody that the running back, they're definitely going to uh, lean on and be able to kind of, you know, take in exactly what it is that he's saying, a guy that played the game, a guy that's coached it uh, at a high level for a really long time. And, you know, they have went to getting bigger backs. Uh, Aaron Banks, we talk, I just talked about how he didn't really play last year. Well, are they going to try to do more inside stuff, uh, more power stuff? I said the 49ers win – when uh, everybody's zigging, they zag. And we saw that last year with Debo Samuel putting him in the backfield. He was a guy that they would run to the edge a lot with. And then all of a sudden, they said, okay, you guys think that's what we're going to do. Now we're going to start doing counters. And they would uh, do toss counters and different things to be very innovative. So I think Anthony Lynn definitely adds to that. And they brought in a couple of big backs to be able to kind of add to how their running back room looks. Eric Crocker, I guess. So when you were back with the Jets, really quick before we let you go, who was under center? Was that Sanchez back in the day? Uh, well, you know, I actually dealt with a quarterback controversy when I was there. Oh, Greg McElroy. Uh, no, it was, it was Sanchez, and then they drafted Geno Smith. Oh, that's right, Geno so Smith. I got to see that whole thing uh, play out, and you know, I got to see how Geno Smith, how kind of dealt with, I guess a lot of the pressures, right? Trey Lance has to deal with pressures. I saw how Geno yeah. dealt with it. And uh, you can see kind of, you know, it can get to a guy, especially being in that New York market. So uh, I think ultimately what they did was they put Mark Sanchez on IR. So it was like, all right, the, you know, the show is yours, Geno Smith. And uh, they ended up winning eight games that year, which is crazy. I think that talks, that speaks to how good of a coach uh, 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 Rex Ryan was. I think he's one of the best coaches I've ever been around easily. And um, he got those guys, those guys fighting. But yeah, Geno Smith played uh, Matt Sims. Matt Sims started a game or two oh, man. that year. Who is not Chris Sims that we hear on TV? It's his little brother. <laughs> so you know, you typically don't want to get that far down on the quarterback depth chart. But yeah, those guys were they were all there. And of course, Geno Smith still hanging on. Maybe the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks will. Yep. We'll find out. All right. Hey, my man, Eric Crocker, great stuff. Let's catch up during the year. Enjoy the week, and, and good job. 
right. Thanks, guys. Take that care. is Thank you. the one and only Eric Crocker talking about the San Francisco 49ers as well as the New York Jets. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.